Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Word Alive. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> oh, God bless you. We're so excited to see you this morning. How many of you have been here already this weekend? Yeah, let me tell you, the Lord's been moving. The Holy Spirit is in this place, and God has been moving in our midst. And we're just expecting more of that today. Amen? Well, why don't you go ahead, stand up on your feet. We're going to get right into worship this morning. Holy Spirit, we love you. Father, we turn our eyes and our hearts to you right now, and we just declare that you are worthy to be praised. Thank you, God, that we get to come together to worship you and to be in your presence. And, Lord, you said that you would be right here in our midst. So we acknowledge you, King of glory, in this place. And we tell you that we love you. And we say, have your way this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Did you hear the oceans roar when the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one? Yeah. Did you feel the people tremble? Did you feel the people tremble? Did you hear the singers roar? When the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one. And we can see that God, you're moving a mighty river through the nations. And young and old will turn to Jesus. Swing wide to heavenly gates. Prepare the way of the risen Lord. Yeah. Open up the doors and let the music play. Let the streets resound Saints join in the 
one song All the streams flow as one river To wash away our brokenness Let's sing that again Do you feel the darkness tremble all the saints join in one song And all the streams flow as one river To wash away our brokenness Yes And here we see that God, you're moving A time of jubilees coming When young and old Turn to Jesus, fling wide you heavenly gates, prepare the way of the risen Lord. Open up the doors, let the
Jericho world's gotta come down, come down. 
Yeah. 
is right and it is true it's settled in heaven your word oh lord is right and it is true it's settled in heaven your word oh lord is right and it is true it's settled in heaven
Jesus, we just put our trust in you today. We lift our hands and just decree out, out loud, we trust you. We trust you in every area of our life. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you that you brought us this far and kept us for this time and this season. And so, Lord, we just put our trust in you. We put our trust in you for our future, for our families, for our destinies, for our purposes to be fulfilled. And, Lord, we trust you for the harvest. We believe that we are in harvest time. And so, Lord, we just set our eyes on you, on heaven's gaze, and we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst today. In Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement said amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise this morning? Isn't he great? You know, these guys are writing some of these songs. Can you give them a hand? Let them know how glad we are that they're tapping into that realm. Writing some great songs. Let's put let's give our put our giving declaration up. We'll shout this out. We like to say it out loud. Let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. We are giving out of love and thankfulness for all the Lord has done. By our giving, we have taken a step into an abundant place of his supply. Therefore, we declare and decree the promise of double portion provision is released over this place people and region to God be the glory and praise forevermore. Amen and amen. I believe that, don't you? Mark, are you from Muscle Shoals? East Tennessee, that's what I said. Mark from East Tennessee, y'all know Mark. He's back with us for the weekend. It's not far from Muscle Shoals, is it, East Tennessee? Well, excuse my voice, uh, we've had a, a transformation weekend, and Dan got excited Friday at the worship and started praying, got me excited. I started praying, and we prayed ourselves hoarse, so, uh, but, uh, we, but we'll get through the day. We've been excited about that. Let me show you some quick pictures. We had Friday night worship. We really went after the Lord. It was ph phenomenal. Um, Dan got a revelation that we all just say bye-bye to a lot of things that have been hindering us, and so we started saying bye-bye in every language we could think of. I think we said, uh, what, Saranara, uh, Arrivederci, Hasta La Vista. Uh, you know, we were just waving bye. It's probably a good time right now if you just want to wave goodbye to something and say, I don't want to see you no more. So that was our Friday night worship. Had a great experience there. People even touched during worship. Uh, we had a community project. This is Miss Cindy Mitchell in West Anniston. She's legally blind, 75, and we prepared her house to make sure she could have warm living conditions. So thank God for you guys and gals that went out uh, taking care of that project. Love that. Then we had some outreach on the streets. There's Ramey and some crew worshiping Jesus right outside on the streets there in West Anniston. And so that was an exciting time. All their, Brian and Ramey and their children worshiping. This is our GROW meeting last night. We had over 300 recovering addicts that came, and we were just really, look at that. It was just packed in here with folks going after the Lord in such a, such a powerful way. Altars filled up with folks just connecting with the Lord, getting bondages broke, and the dance team, the recovery girls from Esther House did a fantastic job. Daniel Hughes communicated powerfully about how to be led by the Spirit and walk into your destiny, and so it was a great, great time of grow last night, and uh, we're excited about what God's doing around here on these transformational weekends. Amen? Amen. Just to bring you a quick update on All In Alabama, uh, some of you, we had, you know, we hadn't been back on campus in, what, three and a half months now, so 
good to see everybody. Uh, <clears throat> we're glad to have you back. And um, just want to let you know that we're still functioning in all in Alabama. Not only did we travel to all 67 counties uh, in 2020 and do what we felt like the Lord told us to do there. You probably saw the memorial when you came in. But other than that, we've now raised up uh, what we believe 12 apostolic centers in Alabama that are going after the Lord in their general territories. And so we're now taking them through the Ecclesia Accelerator so they can shift a mindset to begin to move into harvest. And then uh, Chief uh, Justice Parker and uh, the uh, Lieutenant Governor and uh, Speaker of the House and Attorney General are gathering together once a month on a call to pray over the state of Alabama for the purposes and the justice to be released out of the state of Alabama. And so <clears throat> a lot of great things are still happening. I leave next week, Bev and I do, with Paul Keith Davis and Amy and James Nesbitt, and we'll be traveling to Alaska to, uh, we're in a, uh, on a prophetic journey aligning Alaska, Alabama, and Arizona uh, with a prophetic word that as Alabama begin to turn the wheels, then Alaska would begin to turn, Arizona would begin to turn, and the A states would begin to shift things in the United States of America. So just want you to know we're, that uh, we're still after it, and thank you for your prayers, thank you for your generosity, your giving that continues to allow us to move forward and moving prophetically with the Lord and all he's got us to do in this season. Amen? Amen. I want to say a big uh, welcome. Mike uh, French is a long-term, 20, over 20-year friend of mine, him and Lisa here. Uh, his dad, Bill French, was a hero of mine. And then, of course, then Mike became my hero once I met him. But they, uh, Mike uh, travels all over uh, with dream interpretation. Uh, it's a powerful ministry, him and Lisa. Would you guys just stand up? They, you know them from Birmingham, Leeds, and their son, Noah. The Roberts family's here today, dear longtime friends of mine. Will you Roberts family stand up? Yeah, stand up. It's all right. Steve and Jill and their son. So glad to have you guys and everybody else here in the house today. We're excited uh, about what the Holy Spirit's doing and what he's saying. I'll jump right into this this morning. Uh, you know, a global pandemic, I believe, has produced a global reset. It's don't take long to... To realize, you know, the way we work, the way we play, school, the way we greet each other, you know, do you want a hug, fist bump, elbow bump, butt bump, you know, how are we getting around, you know, all the things that we greet each other differently, we travel differently, everything's different. Some of it's not that great, but some of it's actually pretty powerful because it's allowed us, I believe, to reset. To be prepared, to get ready for what I believe God wants to do. My thought I want to bring to you today is where do we go from here? You've seen these things. I've walked in a mall before. You know, it says you're here, and then it tells you where you want to go. If you don't know where you are, it's hard to get to where you want to go. And so I think it's important for us to realize where we are so we can, term, can determine where we want to go. I don't believe God has changed his mind about all he said and promised all of us. But I do believe he may have changed ours. I used to think harvest and revival was going to come in a certain way and was going to manifest in this way. But I believe during this pandemic, God has been showing us different things about how it actually could be different. I do believe it's harvest time. I do believe the prophecy of Bob Jones that when the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl, there would be a billion 
people's lives transforming the earth. I do believe that prophecy. Isn't it interesting that immediately after that prophecy, a global pandemic hits? And I've heard many thoughts and comments, you know, that the enemy came to stop that harvest. Me, just between me and you, I just don't believe he's that powerful. I just don't believe he's got that kind of authority to bring a global pandemic and get somehow get by God. How many of you know God ain't worried? God's not in heaven saying, oh, myself. God ain't worried. His thing didn't get by God. Now, I understand literally, you know, what, what almost a half, of me, half a million people's lives have been lost. I understand this. I understand the seriousness of it. There's no doubt about it. You say, did God allow it? Did God send it? I don't understand all the theology, but I do understand this. God maybe doesn't deal every hand, but every hand dealt, God wins with it. And so God, yes, can even take negative bad things and turn it around and cause it to work for our good. And so I believe that God allowed the whole globe to be put on pause to prepare us for the harvest that's coming. I really feel that the Lord spoke to me that he was mending our nets, getting us ready for this great harvest of transformed lives that we're about to see take place in the earth. John, John 4.35 says, don't say there are still four months and then the harvest comes. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. Now, if you, I like to say when you read the Bible out of context, you get conned. You get confused, complexed. So you got to go back and read this in context. Jesus is going down the road with his disciples, and he says, we got to go to Samaria. Well, they didn't want to go to Samaria because Samaria was the disenfranchised, the outcast, those who had no rights into what they thought was the redemption of the Lord. It was the fringe people of society that literally the Jews despised. Jesus said, we got to go there. Now, I don't know about you, but I could stop right there a minute. Jesus said, we got to go there. And then when they get there, to boot, as we used to say here in Alabama, not only is Jesus with the Samaritans now, the Jew, the, his disciples hate the Samaritans, hate the Samaritans' food, hate their culture. Now, right in the middle of it, Jesus is found at a well with a Samaritan woman, which was totally outside culture and where Jesus should have been. Do you know what I love about Jesus? He's always showing up where he's not supposed to be. And right in the midst of this, you see an exchange about worship, about the kingdom, with a Samaritan woman who'd had a difficult life, by the way, married five times. The one she's living with is not her husband. And don't you love the way Jesus addresses that? He says, you look like you could use a drink. <laughs> Gives her this living water. The first time in the whole of Scripture these words are spoken out of this woman's mouth. This must be the Savior of the world. I propose to you when Jesus was saying, lift up your eyes, what was he saying to his disciples? Quit focusing on those who are only like you. 
Get your eyes off your own self, your own people, your own sphere of cultural influence. Lift up your eyes. Look to all the outside fringe things that you can't see right now. This is who I came to save. I am not the savior of the church. I am not the savior of the Jews. I am the savior of the whole world. Amen? So I believe a reset has come, not just in the way we do life, but how we worship, how we gather, to reposition us for harvest. Isaiah 58 has been a foundational scripture for us ever since we started. And as we were going through this pandemic, the Lord really brought this back alive. I've read it in every translation that I know of right now. It communicates the general same subject over and over and over again. Here's what it simply says in Isaiah 58, 1 and 2. Tell my people what the problem is. You're busy, busy, busy. Now, I don't know about you, but one thing the pandemic showed me was I was busy about a lot of things were, that were not that important to the Lord. Busy, busy, busy. You do worship religious things, and you love having me on your side, message translation, but you pray, and I don't answer. And you wonder why. So God's saying, tell my people what the issue is. You're busy, busy, busy about religious things, worship Come to church, even give. You do religious things, but then you pray and I don't answer, and you wonder why. As I understand this passage, the Lord is saying our religious activities sometimes are simply a substitution for our obedience. Many of our good works, attending church, worship, prayer, even giving, being accomplished today may be truly good, but they are not the works that we've actually been called to do. These works offered to God are simply a compensation for not doing actually what he's called us to do. In this time of pandemic, there was a big upheaval in the churches rose up against government, government against churches. And it was, you know, mask mandates and can you gather and how many you can gather. And I understand all that and I understand liberties and that's not what I'm preaching about today. The general concept was in a lot of states, the churches rose up saying, how can the liquor store be essential? How can tattoo shops be essential and the church not be essential? And a big argument rose up about that. Well, y'all know me. I look at things sometimes differently. (laughs) And I listened to that and I heard it. But here's what I heard from the Lord. Maybe you're not essential. Maybe the church has gotten to where the liquor store is more essential. At least it's numbing pain. Come on. Are we essential? Are we essential just because we worship? Are we essential just because we share the scriptures? If our church closed, would the community feel it? Would they know we were even gone? Are we answering the ills of society or just consuming our spiritual way through life without having any impact on culture whatsoever? 
Have we bought into the fact that it's just my four, no more? We're going to feed the word, stay saved, and go to heaven one day? Or have we realized there's a whole hurting world out here? And God is clear in this passage of Scripture actually what he's asking us to do. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Is this not what I've chosen for you to do? Loose the bonds of injustice. Undo heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? That you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, you cover him. And make yourself available to your own families. How much of us as the church are actually engaged in this type ministry? Loosing injustice. Dealing with poverty. Dealing with the hungry. Going to the disenfranchised. Going to those that are outcasts. Those that are far from God. Getting in a place where they can say yes to God. Because see, I've come to this conclusion. Most people that need to say yes to God is not going to make it here. We've got to go to where they are so they can say yes to God. I believe God's calling us to the harvest field. Hebrews 13 in the passage translation said, So we must arise and join him, Jesus, outside the religious walls and bear his disgrace. For we have no city here on earth to be a permanent home. Boy, that's a, that's a word for right now, isn't it? But we seek the city that is destined to come. So we are no longer offering up a steady stream of blood sacrifices through Jesus. We will offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. These are the lambs we offer our lips that celebrate his name. We will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others. For these are the true sacrifices that delight the heart of God. God is saying, I don't delight as much as you thought I did in just coming and offering spiritual, religious stuff. Actually, the sacrifices I desire is to join me outside the camp with a disgrace. You say, what does that mean? They disgraced Jesus. They said, Jesus eats with sinners. Jesus eats with sinners. And they asked him, why do you eat with sinners? He said, because those that are well don't need a doctor. Those that are sick do. Jesus never viewed sin as a lawyer, in or out, right or wrong. He viewed it as a physician, sick or well. When's the last time we ate with sinners? I was in a meeting recently with a preacher at this round table. He said, I'm going to tell you the problem about the church. You don't preach against sin enough. I'm like, okay. He said, my church, you can't come to my church if you're in sin. I lift my hand. He, they said, yes, Kent, you have a, something to say? I said, yes. How do you go to your own church? If you're saying your church is sinless, let me tell you, Jesus ain't coming back for a sinless church. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle. That's not talking about sinless. That's talking about being washed with the water of his word and living in obedience to what he said for us to do out in society. I believe the next move of God is not a movement in the church. It's a movement of the church. 
Jesus lives among those who are far from God. The low, contrite, humble and despised, the needy and the thirsty. God is calling us to go among them, the people, and help them say yes to God. Last night in that recovery meeting, I'm going to tell you what, you could walk in here and feel the Lord. And it was the most raucous, out of order, people chatting and talking, worship going on, people leaving every 10 minutes for a smoke break. And the Lord just as thick in here as any time you've ever been around. A little five-year-old boy came up, grabbed me, hugged me. Hey, you're Pastor Ken? I said, yes. A little foster child. Just being loved on by this person. His foster mom bringing him to these meetings. And you're saying, this is where Jesus is. Among the hurting and the broken. Those that are desperately in need of him. Grace is not amazing until it's those of us who need it. You see, broken people in broken cities don't need bigger churches. They don't need better church services. They don't need a, what they actually need is a new reality, an alternative story. Broken people in broken cities don't need culturally relevant churches. They need the church to show up beyond the building with tender hearts and love and grace. The dream of God over our lives is not that we become a believer and help out the local church. The dream of God over our life is that we become alive in His presence and bring life to every environment we go, spilling contagious hope into hurting humanity. Y'all remember Luke Barvel that used to lead worship here with us? I got to hang out with Luke about a month ago. He helped me with my wife with a family uh, issue we were working on up in North Carolina, helping our, uh, my wife's sister get relocated in a home. And y'all didn't know this, Luke's an electrician. And uh, he showed up with two guys from his church, a plumber, and a carpenter, an electrician. And they worked like you couldn't imagine helping us get this house ready. And, and, and I mean, if, you, if you, you've seen Luke Lee worship like anointed, you've never seen him anointed like an electrician. I mean, he's like anointed on steroids when he's an electrician. I mean, he's just bam, 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 energy like I've never seen him operate in. I said, Luke, I've never seen you like this. He said, man, I'm passionate about it. I said, why is it? He said, man, I'm like a magician. When I come into somebody's home and I fix their electrical problems, they're like, wow. He said, I do more ministry fixing electrical issues than I ever do preaching behind a pulpit. He said, because I'm right there in people's home where they live and when they hurt and their pain. And when I help them solve a problem, they open up to anything I need to say to help them follow the Lord. This is what God's doing. Our work is worship when we're doing it unto the Lord. Crisis changed the way the early church functioned. And I believe it's been sent to change us. Acts 8 says, although the, although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God wherever they went. Philip traveled to a Samaritan city and preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed one. The crowds were eager to receive. Philip's message, was, Philip's message 
and were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders performed. Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. And this resulted in an uncontainable joy that filled the city. See, I think we need to set our mark differently. We've been believing for the joy to fill the sanctuary. God's wanting the joy to fill the whole city. They were scattered because of persecution. They were moved away from their normal activities. This is what COVID has done for us. It's moved, I've heard many stories, moved us into different avenues and realms of ministry that were not available to us before. To make this shift, we've got to get a mind shift. And I think the problem is not that we don't have enough. See, I think we've been sitting too long saying, give us more, Lord, more anointing, more authority, more this, more that. The problem is not that we don't have enough. The problem is we've not been giving away what we actually have. We've been sitting here waiting for more instead of giving away what we actually already have. It's like we have a fear of losing our faith. Instead of sharing it. And we're afraid if we get stuck in the wrong environment that they, will, that they will drag us with them instead of us bringing with us. That's an Old Testament mentality. In the Old Testament, when the clean got around the unclean, the clean got unclean. New Testament mentality, when the clean got around the unclean, the unclean got clean. And by the way, let's just pause here. Jesus didn't die to make us safe. He died to make us dangerous. But we've been sitting around in church praying, Lord, keep me saved, keep me safe. We've preached it during Ecclesia. It's like we're a big refrigerator ship, just catching all the fish and getting them in our tank and holding them, waiting for the big refrigerator ship to come back one day and take us to that big aquarium in the sky. Well, if that's true at baptism, we should just hold people down. Right? Just go straight to the big aquarium in the sky. God didn't, that's not God's plan and purpose is for us to stay saved. God's plan and purpose was us to get filled up, come alive in his presence, and go spill it out to a hurting humanity around us. Here's the problem. We're actually afraid of people seeing who we actually are. Why? We are all painfully aware of our weaknesses. Our imperfections, our failures. We wonder, how can I talk about the night and day difference Christ makes in a life when at times mine is such a mess? We think if I ever get my mess straight, then I can help someone else. And you know what? It never happens. Because we never get all our mess straight. I get some of it straight, then I get in another mess. Then I get that straight and I get in another mess. If you're waiting for your mess to get straight before you help somebody else, you ain't never going to help anybody. Because you're always going to have some sort of a mess. Hurting people are drawn more to your brokenness than your excellence. Paul the Apostle said you only got to have this. You got to be able to give an answer for the hope that's inside of you. And we've taken that and made that an apologetics. Like, you've got to know the New Testament and be able to defend the faith. That's nowhere near what Paul was saying. Paul said, set apart Christ in your heart and be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. 
What's that talking about? It's simply talking about when we meet people, we don't have to have all of our messes straightened out. We just got to give a reason why in the middle of our mess, we're still hoping in a God who can fix everything for us. It's called the book of Acts, not the book of thoughts. We don't have to theologically lay this thing out for people. We just got to give them a reason why we hope. See, here's a shift we make. As believers, we have nothing to sell. I'm not selling people on the idea of Jesus. I have nothing to sell and everything to share. And you can't share what's not broken. People around us need our brokenness as much as our wholeness. People in your industry, family, community have become so scarred by life that they're desperate to know if it's possible to recover. If you have a neat, sanitized life, they're never going to ask you to explain where your hope comes from. They will never ask you how you deal with your stress, unforgiveness, debt. However, if you're vulnerable, if you're vulnerable and you're vulnerably open up about your pain and in, with integrity and your past, they'll want to know where you're getting your hope from. The movement that transforms nations is not started by the brilliant. It started by the broken. Here's what I believe God's saying. You are my children. I've given you good things to share as you follow me. You will encounter people who are far from me, who are fighting for faith, struggling in their marriages, longing for healing, wondering if I'm alive. As you meet them, share what I give you for them, and don't worry if it feels like you have nothing to offer. It's my pleasure to send you out empty and bring you back full. We believe church should be a place that we quit coming to hear a story and we start bringing one with us. I was preaching recently in a meeting and I started talking about, because I've had some pretty good God stories that's happened outside the four walls of the church. And I read off two or three of them. And these, these are exciting moments that God met me and somebody outside among people. I shared some of those stories. You know when God's, it's awkward when you're talking and God's talking to you. And I'm sitting there telling these God stories, just like this Holy Spirit said, you, those, are, those are awesome, but you know what's wrong with them? That's what Holy Spirit said when I'm preaching. I'm trying to preach and listen at the same time. He said, they're old. They're old. Why'd you stop? Why'd you quit hanging out with sinners? Why'd you quit putting yourself in those places? I've had some wild encounters. I had a friend of mine take me, want to go shoot pool. Right after I become a pastor. I was like, I can't go shoot pool, I'm a pastor. He, I, said, let's, I said, he finally talked me to go, and I said, well, let's go down to the bowling alley. He goes, no, no, I ain't go to no bowling alley, let's go to a bar. I said, I can't go to the bar, I'm a pastor. Finally, he convinced me. We get there, we're shooting pool. I'm looking around like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Next thing you know, worst nightmare, guy from the church walks in. I was like, he said, Pastor Ken, what are you doing here? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> Big old tears rolled down his face. He said, 
I fell away from the Lord, and I've been so convicted and so condemned I couldn't make my way back to church. I prayed this morning, God, I can't make my way back to church. Please send somebody to get me. I think we've become too sanitized. You know, people talk about us already. Even they're sanitized. I mean, they say, you know, the Catholics do this. Greek Orthodox do this. They say we're alive and do this. We have a large smokers area. But I can take you to the scripture and show you the first cigarette smoked. Genesis 24, I think it's verse 29, says Rebecca saw Isaac and lit off a camel. <laughs> Sorry, getting off track. See, I say all that to say we've become good, honestly. I believe in a past season you have made this possible. We've become so good that people are feel, friend, feel welcome here. That's one thing you can hear about in our community. People feel welcome here. They, they don't feel judged. They don't feel condemned. They feel, and I think we've done a really good job at that. But I don't think we've done a really good job at going, taking this atmosphere with us into the harvest field. Now, God promises if we'll start giving away our life like this, here's what we get in return. Isaiah 58, he says, if you'll do this, if you'll get involved with the addition franchise, if you'll start loosening chains of injustice, if you'll go to the hurting humanity, if you'll make yourself available to your own family, feed the hungry, really get involved in the harvest, here's what will happen. Your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord will be in your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. Then you will take away the yoke from your midst. Or if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul, your light will shine in the darkness. Your darkness will be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually. Satisfy your soul in drought. Strengthen your bones. You'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And those from among you shall build the old waste places, raise up foundations for generations, repair the breach, and cause the streets to be able to dwell in again. I believe the Lord is shifting us from a maintenance mentality to a gathering mentality. So I believe the Lord is asking us to make some radical shifts in, even in the way we gather and how we worship. We've just experienced our transformation weekend, the first since we've just been, been on campus. I feel like the Lord is leading and guiding us that this will be the way we gather. We will to, in order to expand and step into the harvest, we won't gather here every week. We will gather here every month. 
for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday experience. Friday night worship, which we know is important, legislating the heavens, hearing from God. Saturday morning, just like you saw, going to the streets, sending teams to build things, sending teams, evangelistic, prophetic, dream interpretation teams, sending, sending worship teams out to the street, getting outside the four walls of the church and all the cities around our territory here. Saturday night, a grow experience where we have folks coming from around this territory that are needing to get a breakthrough and get deliverance from addiction. And then Sunday morning experience to hear the word, take the word, and go into the harvest field with it. It says Jesus, when he wanted to feed multitudes, broke the word, gave it to the disciples, and the disciples fed the multitudes. We've got to shift from whoever's up here is feeding. We are the ones that are supposed to be feeding. Are you tracking with me? We will rebuild, raise up, repair, and restore. Rebuild the ancient ruins. What is that? I believe the presence of God and unusual miracles. That's the foundation that you and I will rebuild the idea that we, are, we, are valid, we get validation from presence of God and unusual miracles. Rebuild the tabernacle of David where the presence of God was in a tent and available to anybody and everybody. Raise up foundations. So people say, you mean, Kent, we're only going to meet at church once a month? Oh, no, I hope we're going to meet every day. We're going to gather corporately once a month, but I hope we meet every day. You know, I was, a few years ago, I was talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, like the Lord didn't know, I said, can you believe in seven years not one Sunday's gone by where somebody hadn't said yes to you here at Word Alive? I was bragging on myself and the church, you. Like the Lord didn't know. Like the Lord said, are you serious? But see, I, I just said it to the Lord, and the Lord celebrated with me a minute. He said, well, that's awesome. He said, but my desire is not weekly. My desire is daily. That daily I could add to the church those who are being saved. We believe that people are going to meet in homes, parks, coffee shops, restoration, restoration projects, neighborhoods, that the church is going to be a 24-7 mobile Ark of the Covenant, and everywhere you go, the presence of God goes with you. I believe this is what God, God is calling us to do as a church. And I thought, well, why'd you give us this big old building? The Lord said, and I said, and it's nice. It's a $10 million facility. I said, Lord, why would you give us this? The Lord said, for the poor. So they can come and see there's a different way to live and a different story. So we're going to start GED classes, job placement classes. We're already looking at an in-facility in detox center that if you don't have insurance, it's free of charge to get detox here so you can get off the drugs. We're, we're, op we're opening, up, opening up the cafe, not just to feed Christians. We're going to offer breakfast and dinner every day, seven days a week. So if you're hungry in our community, we're going to be feeding 200 of our recovery folks. But if you're hungry in our community, you'll know you got a place to come any morning, any night of the week to get us something to eat here free of charge so we can help you find your way and, and, and move on. On the Sundays, we're not gathering. Brian and Ramey have gathered, gathered a, a great vision called Kids Clubs. Where they said the whole concept of children's ministry has got to change. That you don't bring your child and drop them off and let somebody else do it. But then on the Sundays we're not gathering. They're going to have kids clubs where parents bring your kids with you. And you engage together. Not just in worship. But in activities that, it, that bring about spiritual thought and spiritual life. So that you learn as a parent how to raise your children in the spirit along with them. Not separated. 
going to be from, from five-year-old all the way through 18. They, they've given me a whole vision. I ain't got time to run it all for you, but it's so powerful. Ramey sat in the office and just sobbed under the anointing, passionate about seeing a generation not only rebuild, but raise up foundations for generations. I'm telling you, the family has got to come back together for the purposes of God. And we've got to bring honor back to the family where the children honor the parents and the parents honor the children. And we believe God's going to bring a move about in this for our kids' clubs. It's going to be awesome where kids' clubs will be like video game club, wilderness survival skills, sculpting clubs, fort building clubs, drama clubs, jewelry making clubs, uh, ultimate frisbee clubs, robot clubs, treasury clubs, where you come on Sunday, have worship together, hear a spiritual truth, and go in a very practical activity, apply that spiritual truth, and then learn it together with your children. Maybe have a meal here, hang out, and watch God begin to raise up powerful children for generation. Here's our passion. I'd much rather raise children than deliver them as adults. I, I pray I pray as we do this, our recovery wanes and the children grow because we say we don't ever want you to go that way. We want you to get the Lord right now. Just begin to use this facility in any form or any fashion. There will be a recovery meeting every Friday night. Classes all day, every day, five days a week for outpatient. Stepping into society, seeing the purposes and the power of God demonstrated through our facility. Serving the poor. The church can't truly function right now in its current structure. See, the true church, when you read about the Bible, was all of us were engaged. So it says when they gathered, one would have a song, one would have a hymn, one would have a word, one would have a prophecy. But see, that you can't do that in this structure. It would be mayhem for me to get up and, you know, in the middle of this, somebody stand up back there, well, Ken, I got a little something to add on that, buddy, if you don't mind me. You know. But that was the way it was actually designed, is they, they only gathered like this you know, ever so often in Solomon's porch. The gatherings were in homes, in outside of synagogues, outside of the temple, in homes, in meeting places where the church truly functioned as the church. But now I've heard, I, I, I hear, I, you know, I hear this, you know, Hebrews 10, 25. Well, what about this, Kent? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, if you know what that word assembling means, that doesn't mean coming to a service. I was able to, for Bev's birthday, she'd always wanted a greenhouse, and I got her one, had it shipped in, you know, a small one, and uh, it came in a box with 199 parts and a book of 60-something pages of instruction. I started, you know, I was going to be awesome to put this together for, you know, her as a like my portion was I was going to put it together after hiring two more people in three more days. We finally got 199 pieces assembled. See, assembling doesn't mean just throwing it all in one room. To assemble ourselves together means everybody realizes what your part is and you get in place. And then God begins to build a spiritual house with all of our gifts functioning and flourishing and thriving. And then there again, instead of gathering to hear a story, we come sharing stories. More than anything, what I believe is I, your pastor, I've got to release Jesus to be the head. Because most churches is like the people, the pastor, and then Jesus is the head of the pastor. 
I've heard it said, like, Kent's the pastor and Jesus, Kent's the shepherd, Jesus is the chief shepherd. Well, that's not Bible. Jesus is not the head over me and I'm the head over you. Jesus is the head over me and Jesus is the head over you. Jesus is the head. There is no between head. Jesus is the head of his church. So what I'm comfortable with at this point, I don't, I don't have a vision at Word Alive. I don't have a five-year vision. I don't think you can have a five-year vision and be led by the Spirit. My vision is to see you step into the harvest and fulfill your vision. And I believe and trust that Jesus can tell you what you're supposed to do. You don't need me to develop a program to inspire you to get in the harvest. You ask Jesus, pray to the Lord of the harvest, ask him, where do you want me to be, Jesus? And he will tell you exactly. Are you to be in a home, a coffee shop, a group? I mean, where are you supposed to be? And then Ephesians says, we will grow up unto the head to the fullness of what God wants to do. And just on a very practical note, let's get practical a minute. The most faithful people in our church only make it here twice a month. Actually, I think the stats pre-COVID was the most faithful get here three out of eight Sundays. And that's because we're not bad people. It's just culture's changed. People play ball on Sundays. We never played ball on Sundays. And so we can take this approach. Well, by God, I ain't going to ball field on Sunday. That's the Lord's day. Well, you know, Saturday's the Lord's day. So is Friday. So is Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday, in my opinion, is the Lord's day. Or you can change your mentality. I'm going to the ball field and let my children play ball on Sunday. And I'm going to be a light right there in the midst of all that going on. And I'm going to see the kingdom unleashed on a group of people that probably never would have heard the gospel unless I'd showed up. On a very practical note, then, just the structure we've had to live in is, let's say this week I preach on anger. And by next Sunday, I got to come up with something new. And you're still angry. Because you had not had time to process anger in one week. You're still angry that we talked about being angry by Thursday or Friday. You're not processing. And then the next week, show up and I'm talking about giving, and you get even more angry that week. Come on. How good would this be? God actually speaks to us, gives us a word, confirms it through the prophetic giftedness in the body. We know this is what God's saying, and we begin to apply that, and we put out social media each and every week digging deeper into this so by the time we get back the next month we've taken the word of God it's become reality in our lives and we're fully growing and maturing in it and the next thing you know we go from level to level to level to level of maturity until we're walking in the anointing God's called us to walk in I'm excited about it I believe God is truly going to do some of the most amazing things we've ever seen in this season. Unleashing the kingdom means relinquishing our ownership of the church. Don't worry about preserving the church or promoting the church. Instead, let's proclaim the kingdom and watch people come alive. I know this sounds crazy, but I believe that by the end of this year, we will have seen a thousand people far from God say yes to God. 
in the harvest. I think we need to stop singing about authority. Stop preaching about authority. And start walking in it. God trust us. God trust us with this harvest. Chuck Pierce prophesied a year ago, before the right in the beginning of the pandemic, what God started in Alabama won't stop. I'm resetting your future. Things will end so others can begin. There will start a six-year move of the Spirit that will change society. Our nets are being mended, preparing for harvest. An explosion of kingdom movement, not, not church movement. An explosion of faith and miracles, word alive, becomes a sending agent. When we launched All In Alabama, I didn't realize it actually meant all in. Because I don't believe God's changed his mind. And I know this message isn't for everybody. But I know there's, a, there's those that this resonates in your spirit. That you, you're destined to do more than sit in church. I've been looking at Judges where Gideon was hiding in the wine press. Isn't that interesting? Threshing wheat in the wine press. And it struck me, many of us have been hiding in the anointing. The wine, church, instead of in the harvest field, the threshing floor. Hiding in our religious activities instead of engaging in the harvest. And Gideon, God came and spoke to him and says, you mighty man of valor. Don't you love how God is? He never calls us where we are. He calls us to where we're supposed to be. You mighty man of valor. Spoke to him. Got out of the wine press. Fought for the harvest. Defeated the Midianites. And harvest was realized in a way in Israel that they had never seen before. Because of the faith to get out of the wine press and move into the threshing floor or the harvest field. I really believe that it's, it's not holy to hide. I think we need to quit praying prayers like less of me. Less of me. What, what does that mean? When God said he wanted the glory to be seen on you. I think we, take, we think too less of ourselves. We're the light of the world. We're supposed to be a city set on a hill. You're supposed to be able to go stand in the darkest of places and, and let people see the glory and light of God shining on your life. So I really believe that Holy Spirit is speaking to us in a significant way about where do we go from here. I know it will take us a while to process it, and I appreciate any feedback or thoughts or comments. Uh, if you've got a check in your spirit, see Dan. If you've got a check in your hand, see me. <laughs> We're headed to the harvest field. Amen. We stand up with me this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
Father, we believe the harvest is white. The labors are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest. Raise up labors. I pray you'd begin to break old mindsets about people groups. About places where the church should or shouldn't be. And begin to let us lift up our eyes and see the harvest that you've prepared for us. Lord, I pray you'd fill us with a heart of compassion and grace and love for hurting humanity. Live International Outreach would become a place of harvest like we've never seen before. As we go to the highways and the byways, compel people to say yes to God. We're far from you. Lord, we don't want to miss this opportunity to shift and change with you if you're shifting and changing. we sang about it today, Lord, we just trust you. We trust you that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we honor you today and we bless you and we thank you for this place, all that you've done in our lives, all that you continue to do. Lord, I thank you for each and every person under sound of my voice, whether online or here in this audience have believed for the harvest Lord we believe the day is here and you're not we're no longer waiting on you but you are waiting on us Lord help us shift our thoughts help us shift our mindsets to move into a kingdom agenda to begin to see the manifestation of Holy Spirit in and out of every area of our lives speak to each and every person what their position is in the harvest you are the head of the church Jesus and you are able to speak to each and every person under the sound of my voice what they're to do how they're to step into harvest how they're to step in relationship with the church and see their gifts begin to function and come alive in a supernatural way so Lord we thank you for that and we bless you in doing that just before we stop today I just want to to ask two things as we're here in the presence of God first of all I know it's a 9 a.m. service and by the probably everybody here knows the Lord but there's a possibility somebody's here that's never said yes to God you're here today and you feel like Holy Spirit's been speaking to you you're to say yes to God. You're far from God. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you that you need to say yes to God, yes to His way, yes to His will, yes to His forgiveness, yes to His grace, yes to His purposes. So whether you're online or you're here this morning, if that's you and you're under the sound of my voice and you say, Kent Maddox, God is is talking to me and I want to say yes to God. I'm far from God. I want to say yes to God to come close to God. If that's you today, just slip a hand up high right there where you are so I can see it. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody here that needs to say yes to God this morning? We don't want to miss an opportunity without that happening. Yes. Lord, I thank you for those saying yes to you today. Yes to your will. Yes to your grace. Yes to your goodness. Yes to your mercy. The second thing I want to ask is those that would say yes to the harvest. That you're willing to move beyond your fears, beyond the intimidations of the enemy, and to say yes, to begin to lift up your eyes and see where God would put you in the harvest. I promise you, if you want to hear God answer a prayer, ask Him, God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to speak to you, speak to about you? So that's the second question I'm asking, that you say, you would say, yes, God, I will, I will use my sphere of influence. I will begin to seek Holy Spirit. I will begin to ask God for His will to be done in my life and move me into the harvest field. If that's you, would you slip a hand up high and just wave it at me if you're willing to say yes this morning to the harvest. As our hands are lifted up, Father, I say thank you for those that are willing to yield themselves to the harvest. And Lord, we just believe that this morning you can speak by your Holy Spirit, begin to give them strategy, resources, anointing, and favor to have encounters with people in their sphere of influence who are far from you and allow them to bless them in such a way with such love and grace and compassion that many around them will say yes to you and follow you. And their lives will be changed and transformed. Father, as we our hands are lifted up, we believe you are building your ecclesia and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And so, Lord, we release the spirit of the harvest into our hearts and our minds and in this place today. And we thank you that we see ourselves in the future and things look a whole lot different than they do right now as we've taken a step of faith into the harvest field. In Jesus' name, for the glory of God, amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord one more hand of praise? I love you guys very much. Thank you for listening to me this morning. We'll be putting more out online as we're moving more toward the harvest. We'll get ready for our next service, our next weekend service, April 4th, or April 5th, 6th, and 7th, which is actually Passover and Resurrection Sunday. I love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great week.